Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk about what's going on with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan with Chuck Culpepper. And we'll get picks from Jeff Ma and maybe from James Carville. But first, <laughs> commerce. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Our producer sends me the questions for our guest. And you've been on my mind because I wrote down questions that I would want to ask you. And I look at these questions that Kelleher sends, and every one of them is from the perspective of an, of an offensive lineman. So I call Kelleher, and I say, you realize, don't you, that Booger played defense? He's not an offensive lineman. And Kelleher says, you realize, don't you, Jeff Saturday is on today and Booger is on Thursday. <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. And Booger was on Thursday, and Booger was great. Yes, he was. Um, Time to take your keys, Dad. Hmm? Time to take the keys. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So so let me, uh, as long as I bring up the PTI show of yesterday, let me talk about, give you a little bit of inside baseball on how these things work. We are planning a show when we begin discussing the show, Matt Kelleher and I, around 11 o'clock in the morning. We are planning a show. It's going to start with the Thursday night game, Cincinnati at Baltimore. It's going to start with that game because that's the best Thursday night game of the season so far. It's a really meaningful game. Two very good teams, and and we're going to start with that. And our second story is going to be about Draymond Green receiving a five-game suspension and our reaction to that. That's a totally legitimate story. Because five games is significant. And our third story, uh, and Kelleher says, we got this really pretty cool baseball story. Baseball, it's being reported, is likely to change the pitch clock from 20 seconds when there's a runner on base, 15 seconds when there's nobody on, 20 seconds when there's a runner on base, to 18 seconds. They feel it's going to save five minutes a game. And so I prep for all of these stories. 
I get information from Matt, from all of these stories. I write down what I want to say on all of these stories if I have the opportunity, which I rarely do, um, if I have the time. But I am ready to, to go on these stories. And then at about, I don't know, close to 4 o'clock, close to 4 o'clock, Kelleher calls. And whenever he calls uh, during the day after we've talked, I pick up the phone Something's and I go, changed. so we changing the show? <laughs> and he says, yes, we're changing the show. And I said, what happened? And he says, Michigan and Harbaugh just decided they would take the suspension. I said, what? He said, yeah, they decided they would take the suspension. I said, so he's not going to coach against Ohio State? Kelleher says, no, they're taking the suspension. So we begin to talk about why we think such a thing has happened. And maybe, I, you know, I don't know what time it is, but I, I'm walking onto that set without a whole lot of stuff in my head. You know, and, and by the way, it's 100% correct. That becomes the lead story. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, Mike feels the same way, I'm sure. He's out in, in L.A. Um, sent me a text, by the way, overnight that he was at the Polo Lounge last night talking with John Travolta. How about that? John Travolta. He um, said Travolta had no idea who I was. I didn't have that in my Mad Libs for Wilbon's evening activities. Yeah. Travolta. Anyway. So, so we know we're going to have to do this, and, and, and we, we don't really have an idea. There's no reporting on it. There's, you know, as time goes on, you think maybe someone is going to say, well, I talked to somebody on the inside, and no, we didn't get anything like that. So what it came down to me was just two things, just two things. One is the Big Ten went to Michigan and Harbaugh and showed them everything they had. And the Big Ten and Harbaugh said, oh, we're not going to fight this. We're not going to win on this. So we'll fold our tent. You know, and the second thing is, in my mind, the Big Ten goes to Michigan and Harbaugh and says, if you don't accept this deal, we're going to disqualify the school. And if we disqualify the school, it doesn't matter who, you know, it doesn't matter what your record is. You're not getting into the college football playoff. You're not getting in. And, they, and forced to look at that option, they would say, okay, so we fold the tent. Now, to this moment, I don't know what the answer is. I, like everyone else, I am waiting for the reporting on it. But I thought what I would do is tell you what I was going to say about the baseball. Because I had a pretty good idea what I was going to say about the baseball. And the first thing I was going to say is, and the question was going to be, it was my question to Mike, they're going to shorten this to 18 seconds. Are you okay with this on the pitch clock? And then what I was going to say when it came back to me is that I'm okay with anything that shortens the game. And I think shortening the game is a very good idea. The games actually went down. The games last season went down 24 minutes. They went from three hours and four minutes to two hours and 40 minutes. And I thought... That, that's a, a good thing. And then I was going to say, I didn't even know it was 20 seconds when there was a runner on. And I was going to say, I, you don't even need 20. You can only throw over there twice. What are we talking about here? Yeah. And then Kelleher gave me a statistic that I thought was wonderful, which is the average amount of time with a runner on a now base. That's my next question. The average amount of time of the delivery of the pitch with a runner on base was 13 seconds. Yeah, I was going to say. It's like just six. way less than 20. Anecdotally, yeah. I feel like you always see it get to 8 or 7, and then it goes. It's yeah. way less than 20, yeah. and it's way less than 18. 
so why is it even eighteen? So I mean, I was going to say again, that every year you get more and more pitchers who have been used to the pitch clock. So it yeah. should, as you get farther from the original date, get more normal. But, and there's always a but. I said to Keller, you know, it just seemed to me I paid a lot of attention to the playoffs. I really watched the playoffs in earnest. It seemed to me all those games were at least three hours. This went on and on and on, I thought. Because batters would call for time, umpires would give it to them. Pitchers on the mound would call for time, and umpires would give it to them. And Kelleher said, to that end, here's something you're going to find interesting. The average time of game in April, these are all statistics that I would have happily quoted, the average time of game in April was two minutes and 36 seconds. Or two hours and... Two, I'm sorry, two hours and 36 minutes. And by September, it was 2.44. And I said to Matt, well, why do you think that was? And he said, because players learned how to beat the rule. Yeah. And they learned how to beat the rule, as you saw in the playoffs, by asking for time, and umpires indulged this. And what I was going to finally say was, this is not like no more playing with his batting glove for 50 seconds between pitches. <laughs> yeah. But if you ask for time on three straight pitches and you get it, it is. It is like that. And so I, I didn't get the chance to say those things. Um, and I wondered what yeah, you played I would, high I would, school baseball. But I would say as someone who consumes a lot of that baseball, we're happy to accept that playoff baseball and the, and the world that exists in that October and into early November is an entirely different season, which is why we're, yes. we're happy now yeah. if we see a wild card team, the last team that gets in can go to the World Series and you see if you can ride a couple of pitchers. So when I look at the differential between April and even to September, I don't think it's necessarily beating the rules. I think it's what the rules can allow, which is even though it's one of 162, not every game ends up being the same in terms of what it might mean in terms of like for positioning. Does that mean you're going to end up play, uh, facing a divisional opponent in the first round? Does it keep you out of that? Does it get you into one of those last wild card spots? So I think that's actually, as long as it's moving in the better direction overall, it's okay if there's an eight-minute differential between those. Yeah. The bigger thing now is you actually have teams like the Nats who are pushing start times up so you can still protect against that if, if at some reason the end of the season does take longer. Do you know who's leading the charge against shortening the pitch clock? Max Scherzer? Absolutely. Max Scherzer, <laughs> yeah. who is claiming, sure. and there's no evidence of this yet, and there can't be evidence oh, of this injuries, yet. right? Injuries yeah. or as a result of this. It's too soon to know if that's true. Yeah. Five years from now, maybe. Data. five yeah. years from now, there'll be a study and, and it, it will be gospel. Yes. But uh, they don't know now. But even then, it might be hard to separate styles of pitching, which, you know, max effort versus, you know, efficiency over nine full innings. Yeah. So... But I'm sure just like when I think it, it's a good story. I mean, it has to go. The Draymond Green story has to stay. Yeah. And the Cincinnati Baltimore game has to stay. stay. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting story to see how you can use analytics, not just for the, the actual players and sort of the, the, the career that they have, but the game itself yeah. and to see what's working. All right. So we will take a break. Uh, and when we come back, Chuck Culpepper will join us and we will talk about Jim Harbaugh, and I'll ask him if he knows anything about this because he covered college football, because I, I don't, and I'd love to. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the new single from a band called Mandy Valentine. Jay Johnson writes, hope this finds you well. Excited to finish the year on a high note with some new releases and final shows. I want to share the latest from my country rock band, Mandy Valentine, which is Missy Pigeon, Abby Heyer, Delaney Keefe, Sam Perduta, Jay Johnson, of course, and Maddie Kimmy Clauser. The Mandys will celebrate with a release show tonight. It's tonight, Friday, November 17th, at the Tin Can Bar in Philadelphia, playing with Rebecca Zimmerman and Gabrielle Guma. Doors are open at 7.30. It's our first time playing at the Tin Can Bar since our residency began there in March, and we're super excited to return. And they play next um, in a couple of Fridays on December 1st at John and Peter's in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Michael, are you familiar with the Tin Can Bar at all? I'm not. I'm looking up. It's down by the river. Okay. All right. So Tiki it's, Bar. So it's near the Penn Campus? Uh, no, it's, near? it's farther east than that. Okay. Yeah. So, it's, so it's near the, the stadium. Just above Fishtown. No, no. Uh, above that. Okay. Take the river north. Okay. All right, Mandy Valentine, and this is called Lonesome, and it plays in Chuck Culpepper. And I'm just going to start this by saying, I don't, I don't have a handle on this Harbaugh thing at all. I, I, I simply don't. And I tried to say that yesterday on television. You know, they don't like you on television to say you don't know what you're talking about. But it strikes me that when I don't know what I'm talking about, it's going to be obvious. I sat there on TV and I said, the first thing I did when I heard about this yesterday was I wrote down four words. And those four words were help me out here. Because I, I, I am stunned, stunned by the fact that Michigan and Harbaugh folded the tent. Totally stunned. So Chuck Kelper, who, who covers college sports and who has been around, I mean, did, you, you did the Penn State-Michigan game, right? You've been around this team, right? Am I right on that? I, I did, and I have uh, no more idea than you do. Well, I mean, Harbaugh had said, Harbaugh had gotten out there and said, I'm going to talk on Friday. And I expected him to talk through a megaphone and talk about the history of jurisprudence in the United States of America. And he settled. They settled. And to me, this is a stunner, and the only thing I could think of well, it was two things, really. One was that Michigan and Harbaugh were shown evidence that had been collected by the Big Ten that was devastating to their position, or they were threatened by the Big Ten to punish the school itself. And if you punish the school, you take them out of play, that's it. They don't have a chance at the national championship. So they take the lesser of two evils, and they just say, okay, Harbaugh won't coach. But to not coach against Ohio State, it's just got to be killing. So just talk. Let me know what you think. I think we're all coping with, the, for one thing, the loss of this, this 
giant spectacle that was going to be in front of us and uh and was going to be was going to take this this whole what would you call it saga that uh already is one of the you know the biggest stories in the whole rakish lore of college football yes and was going to take it into a new uh, even a new realm so and you know you had harbaugh there monday talking about how he had learned in his civics class senior year of high school you know and the most important thing he learned was innocent until proven guilty and i was thinking wow they didn't they didn't mention that to you before senior year at all but you know (laughs) it's it's um yeah it was going to be and then we're talking about perhaps the world's most famous prominent fan of judge judy and he's been known to to revere her for a long time and, and he brought that up on monday and here we were going toward this and then i think it just has to be there was always kind of a feeling that are you really sure you want this all aired again you know in in such a in such a setting especially and so i i go with that first uh probability that you mentioned that it just didn't make sense to go and have it all aired again and to have a spectacle you know right on the verge of these these two games one of them big and the other one gigantic who settles though chuck people who settle don't believe in their case people who settle sometimes are guilty people who settle they take that out as quick as they can get it right 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 so i think go ahead yeah one thing that's been very strong here is the big tens uh continuing statements that um hey we don't that the uh the fact that there was a scheme going on here that was, in their word, is impermissible against the rules, um, that's already been proven. We don't have to prove that anymore. And I think, you know, the strength of that, you don't often hear that in these cases. You hear allegations, and, and, and they've been saying, you know, this is beyond allegations now. So I think that that, that part of it, there must have been something that made well there clearly was something that made it unwise to go into the courtroom yeah and because he's going to get an injunction in ann arbor a judge is going to grant it to him but they don't want everything else that comes out so you think the rule and i and i've said this many times i think it's a stupid rule that you can't advance scout in person i I, it's it is the backbone of every single professional sport in the united states of america advanced scouting so if the big ten wants to do this this stupid rule fine do i think it was violated yes but the big 10 said chuck unless i have this wrong that they could not directly tie it to harbaugh they could not directly tie it to harbaugh so why is harbaugh punished he became a figurehead it literally in their in their punishment you know to to sort of under their sportsmanship uh rule he became you know, somebody who is sort of left because it's his program uh, left to take the, you know, the whole, the whole brunt of the whole thing. And I think you're, I think you're right about one of the, one of the craziest things about all of this is that should it be a rule? You know, it was (laughs) terrible. I mean, it was, it obviously it's a violation of the rule. It's a rule that was, uh, hatched in 1994 
January of 94 at the NCAA convention in San Antonio. And that convention was all about uh, curbing costs. Right. Or a lot, a lot of their, uh, you know, and this rule passed 112 to 2. And, you know, one of the rules there was about, one of the debates there was about sort of expanding basketball uh, rosters from 13 to 14, I think it was, and that didn't pass, and that was a huge controversy at the time. And this thing got no attention at all at the time. But the reason it was set up was that, so let's say, okay, Michigan has the money where they can send people to go scout, but maybe, you know, schools with smaller budgets don't have that. So that's a competitive disadvantage for them. And that's why it was kind of set up to to help these schools be competitive and to help them not have to spend all this money to go scouting future opponents. Yeah, but now with a Big Ten network and they're each getting $50 million a year, they can afford to yeah. send somebody to a Ramada Inn, don't you think? Yes, and I think yeah. I think it's one of those cases of a rule that's sitting there. Idiotic. Still rule. sitting there. And, you know, and we all have to assess, and I, this is what I really want to try to find out in the coming weeks, how much does this help a team to, to do what they did over just going through the ways that are allowed to, to try to steal signals and try to decipher yeah. signals. What's the, what's the difference with this? You know, Lane Kiffin was for one among many saying there is a difference, but how much of one is it? And I think the rule, we might be going back and, or they might be going back and assessing the rule after this, which makes it all really. It's ridiculous. Alice in then. Wonderland. Yeah. yeah. Then two years from now, if they change the rule, Harbaugh, you know, the, the punishment looks idiotic. What do you generally think of Harbaugh? You've been around him. I think he has probably one of the most unusual cadences to him of any person. You know, it's, it's his own. I don't know that I've ever been around somebody who kind of, answers questions the way he does and socializes the way he does deals with people the way he does. I generally, I generally like him. I generally um, think he's a tremendous coach, you know, starting off at university of San Diego, which suddenly won, you know, and, and then Stanford. And, um, but I think, you know, you just, he has that unpredictability about him. You never know what's, what's going to come next. The other day he, just started going on about how he has chickens in the backyard. I never knew he had chickens. Apparently it was a thing that started during COVID and he's earned great respect for chickens who are much more, uh, much calmer and uh, more productive than he used to believe. And so, you know, you just don't ever know, you know, what, what is going to come of it. He's also a quarterback who, who loves that kind of bloody football, you know, and that, that's a wrinkle as well. He loves that kind of – Blake Corum, the running back the other day, comes to the press conference with blood all around his nose, blood stains all around his nose. Harbaugh just loves that kind of thing, and that's the way they play, you know, that kind of bruising style. Yeah, they're a good team. So, they're a good team. Do yeah. You, do you think he knew about the violation? Knew about it, encouraged I, it, orchestrated it, knew about it. Do you think? I mean, it's hard to say no, but I can see this. He, he often, as, as we all do, has big respect for the military. So the idea that this, this guy had the, back, the guy who was... Um, yeah, you know, stallions. He was a captain in the, in the military. He was a captain. Yeah. He wasn't some the guy. Idea. He was a captain. 
Right. He went to the right. Naval Academy. And he had, I could, I could easily see him saying, wow, we've got a guy who's really good at this because he's got this military background and doing this in another form. You know, just... I could see that happening. So on the show yesterday, just amazing to me, Wilbon just sort of says, yeah, you know, they'll have a, they'll beat Maryland with an assistant coach. And then they're, you know, at Michigan and then they beat Ohio State and they go on. And I go, whoa, 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 what, what? You think they're going to beat Ohio State just because they got a home game without their head coach? So I'll ask you the same thing. How do they beat Ohio State without, without their head coach? Well, I think they have – I think they're a little bit better. I think they have a more experienced quarterback. And that's a, usually one of the biggest questions in these matchups. And I think they have this thing now that teams try really hard to get, uh, especially with the players in college football so young. Uh, they're very susceptible sort of to the outside noise, even though they say they aren't. And, you know, and they sometimes you get, you get coaches and players just, you know, looking all scouring the world to try to find something for motivation. Well, this well, is, they have oh, this is, this, this is uh, right up their alley. I mean, they're going to, it's going to sound to them like the entire world is behind them. Sure. Yes. Yes. And I think I, I, Ohio State is tremendous, of course, as usual, and and uh, Marvin Harrison, the receiver, is the best player in the probably country. the best player yeah. in the country. Yeah. But I have a hard, <clears throat> I have a hard time seeing them win. Hmm. I do. Let me ask which you is this: odd for a team of that caliber, yeah. you don't think there's any possibility in the world, do you? And I mean this: any possibility that Harbaugh isn't on the phone with somebody during the game? You don't think that's possible, do you? You know what I haven't learned yet is whether is that permissible in this? Yeah. Um, he's well, even if be. it isn't, yeah. Even yeah. if it isn't, he's going to do it, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> he, there's going to be some sort of subterfuge where he says, "Oh, this thing just happened. Here's how we combat this." I mean, I can't believe that's not going to happen. Anyway, I, I mean, you have a burner phone or something that would be, you know, yeah. interesting to yeah, get it at. from Kevin Durant. Didn't he <laughs> yeah. use those all the yeah. time? Yeah. <laughs> all right. It's interesting. It's 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 a um, it's a really good story. It's just a really good story at this point. You know that our boy's going to have missed five games. You think Michigan's going to pay him a full salary? He's going to miss five six. games. I think it's it's six for first three and the last three. Okay, so it's, six. What? And um, half. <laughs> yeah, come on now. And buy him chickens with that. Buy him a bunch of chickens. Thank you, Chuck, as always. Thanks. Thank it's a so good much, story. Tony. Yeah. Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Jeff Ma joins us when we return, and we will have Carville's picks. Carville's out of the country, but we will have his picks, and we will have Jeff Ma. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song from Norwegian Soft Kitten. We are like we like Norwegian Soft Kitten. What's the name of this song? I believe it's called The Thousandth Ship. Okay. So they write to us, as all the cool kids know, Glenn and Alan, the two members of Norwegian Soft Kitten, met while making films together. The action comedy feature film we made, To Die Is Hard, won awards at film festivals, had a short theatrical run, and has a peculiarly large following in Poland, where it still screens at film festivals and in theaters. <laughs> When we say we made the film, we made the film. We wrote, directed, produced, shot, edited, starred in the film. We did the theme song, which plays during the closing credits. The theme song is the first song Norwegian Soft Kitten ever recorded. As you mentioned on the podcast, you have no idea how to write a screenplay. It's really not that hard. The key is to have a fat guy, our guitarist Glenn, play the lead role in the film. Then make sure at some point he loses his shirt, spends at least a third of the film running around with no shirt on, then make sure to shoot one segment of said fat guy running in slow motions so all of the ooey goodness of a fat guy running around without a shirt can be fully ingested. The bottom line is, if the idiots in Norwegian Soft Kitten can write a screenplay, you can too write a screenplay. Also, here's a song for you to play called The Thousandth Ship. I love these guys. Michael, if Norwegian Soft Kitten sends in music and other people want to emulate that, what do they do? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And Jeff Ma joins us now. Before we get to Jeff, we have to explain Carville one more time. Yes. Carville last week sent in picks. He finished 2-4-1. and one. As everybody else did, he split, well, not Jeff, because, no, Jeff split it too, the Chargers-Detroit game, which was a three-point game. Carville is 38-33-1, and one, so he's still ahead of the game. But he got beat in college. He got beat on the Tennessee-Missouri game. He took Tennessee. Got beat on the Kansas-Texas Tech game. Got beat on the Mississippi State-Texas A&M game. Took 17-and-a-half and only lost 51-10. Won on Fresno State, uh, San Jose State he won on. He won on Northwestern. Nobody bets on Northwestern. <laughs> he took the 10-and-a-half against Wisconsin, and they won outright. So that was his week. He's now sent in picks for this week. Yes. He is taking Sam Houston State plus 12 and a half at Western Kentucky, a game that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> He's taking Old Dominion plus six at Georgia Southern. He's taking Oregon State minus one, hosting Washington. Washington is fifth in the country, and Washington is undefeated. He's taking Iowa State plus seven and a half with Texas. Texas, pretty good team. They're ranked in the top seven. I think they're seven. He's taking in the pros Miami minus 13 against the Raiders, even though um, Antonio Pierce is 2-0 and at the moment. He's taking Cleveland minus one against Pittsburgh, even though the quarterback. they have no quarterback. <laughs> they have no quarterback. 
And he's taking Kansas City minus two and a half, hosting Philadelphia. It's hosting Philadelphia, yes, right? Hosting Philadelphia. That's the Monday night that's game. That's a great game. game. Yes. That's the Taylor Swift Bowl, and, and that's a great <laughs> game. So Jeff joins us now. Jeff, do you want to comment? You don't want to comment on any of James's picks, right? You wouldn't do that to a fellow better, right? Uh, I mean, he, he's been really good in college, so I wouldn't argue with him, especially in these schools that, um, I mean, you didn't even know there was a game. I didn't even no. know there were some of these schools. Right. right? These, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two different things, right? So, and he's, and he's, he's above 500. Yeah. You were 2-2-1 two, two last week, so you held steady, minus 5, 24, 29, and 1. You've been good. You started out badly. You, t- you picked college games the first week, and you started out badly. But you picked three out of the last four. I went back in the records. You had Notre Dame over USC. You had Georgia over Florida. You had Michigan over Penn State. And then you, you lost UVA and Georgia Tech. But three out of four, you'll, you'll go to the bank on that all the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, the Virginia one, I based on the quarterback, Musket, but then he got hurt in the first quarter. So I, I feel like I should be able to get a rebate on that one. And they usually do that if you go to the the uh, sports books. They give you your money back if it wasn't fair. Yeah. No, that never happens. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. Let me read the intro. This week's picks with James Carville and Jeff Ma brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Who did you have on Bet the Process? What did you learn this week? Yeah, we actually had a pretty special episode where we had Keith White, who is the executive director for the National Council on Problem Gambling. And we talked a little bit about sort of like the idea of problem gambling. What does it look like? What do they do? How do they study it? Um, it's kind of an interesting thing because they're they're not um, funded by the government. They're actually funded by private, and the privates that fund them are the sports books generally. So you would think there's a little bit of misaligned incentives where sports books want you to bet more, and and obviously they need to do lip service to this idea of problem gambling. But um, talking to him a little bit about just the different ways that people are get addicted, and and you know one of the things I think that their studies show is that that only a small percentage of people that sports bet will become addicted. And um, ultimately, the earlier you start in your life, uh, the more addicted you get. So, Michael, watch out for Bootsy. Um, but <laughs> generally, the idea that, uh, you know, how, how to kind of spot it, how to avoid it, how to how to really, uh, you know, get help if you're out there. I mean, I think this is the real thing. Like, if people are, um, for a long time in the world of uh, illegal sports betting, um, you know, there was a stigma to it. And so I think if you had a problem, it was much harder to get help for it. And hopefully now people, because it's much more in the limelight, will feel comfortable if they're, if they're struggling with it to go get help. So let me ask this question, because I'm sure you asked it of the guest. In all of the commercials for betting organizations, the fan duels of the world, all of them, right, at the, on the last shot on the screen in small type at the bottom, it tells you where to go if you have a gambling problem. I assume they are required to do that legally because other than that, why would they do it? Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely required to do it legally. There's you know, regulatory issues. Right. Um, I mean, I think, again, that's the point, Tony, right? What is the lip service that you're paying to this and how much do you care? Because ultimately... These sports books, um, they have algorithms that they know, you know, when to give you the right offer, when to when to get you to come back, when to when to send you, you know, a free bet to keep you on the chain, and they they don't want you to lose too fast, but yet 
obviously at some point they want you to lose. Yeah. So it, it is, it is a very, uh, it's, it's a slippery slope. Um, do you know any people who you would say are addicted to gambling and, um, do they really want to stop being addicted to gambling? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think, I think there's lots of people out there that are, are in a situation, um, where they, you know, there's this dopamine hit that they get and, and it's hard for them to stop. And ultimately, um, I think that the, the, the way to talk about it is to, to make people comfortable with the idea that, that it is a real addiction, a physical addiction, hmm. like anything else and figuring out either if you can't do it to stop or, um, how, how to sort of deal with it. Um, yeah, no, I, I think they're, Sure, I've, I've met many people along the way that are that are addicted to gambling. It's so interesting. There's a really everybody knows the song by Bob Seger, still the same, and and he talks about. It. He says you're you're, you're still the same. It's, it's never changed. You're still the same, going game to game. You know, it's the only thing you ever loved, and and I. It's interesting what you had said that it starts very young. I have some friends who gamble, and it did start very young. I really did. I mean, it's, and it wasn't necessarily with sports. It was, you know, roulette wheels and poker and, and all of that. And the people that got into it later in their 20s and 30s, it seemed easier for them to just walk away from it. Do, do you find that to be true, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a little bit about your relationship with gambling and how you do it. Like, is it something that you do? you know, quietly by yourself at night or you, you know, when you head out to a bar and you throw some money on a game because you're going to watch it. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's one of the things we talk a little bit about is the difference between like the professional better and, you know, the, the non-professional better or the person, the better that has an edge versus that doesn't. And there are some behaviors that, that are shared between a sort of degenerate addicted gambler and a professional gambler, meaning they're betting lots of games and, um, you know, it's their livelihood is based on this, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the, the, the key to this, and, and I've talked about this before, what I'd love to see is America have a healthy relationship with sports betting where it is entertainment and, and whatnot, and it doesn't get predatory where people get addicted. Yeah. Um, although I, I, I struggle to see how that's going to happen. All right, give us your picks. Who you got this week? Okay, I'm going to take the Lions minus a seven and a half over Chicago. I don't know if you've looked at the standings, but in the NFC right now, you know, there's a world where the Lions are the number two seed, yeah. and you know they would be slated to play the 49ers at home uh, in the semifinals or in the in the conference semifinals. Um, so, um, but yeah, this is a game where I think that you know last week they were super impressive against the Chargers scoring pretty much at will. Um, I'd like them to win by more than a touchdown here. Okay. I'm buying low on the, on the bills. I'm going to take the minus a seven over the jets. Um, these are two teams obviously struggling, but struggling in different ways. I mean, they relieved Ken Dorsey of his, of yes. his offensive coordinator duties, but the offense really wasn't that bad. And no. you look at the numbers and the success rate and et cetera. So, um, I, I do think, you know, just you're buying low on Buffalo and, and only giving seven against the Jets is good value. What else? I'm going to take the Eagles plus the two and a half over the Chiefs, so going against James there, um, where uh, it's a tough one, right, because both of these teams have flaws from last year. Um, I think the Eagles are not quite as good on defense and, um, you know, not quite as good running the ball, whereas the Chiefs, seem to lack the explosive plays and the explosive nature of what they used to have. 
Um, their defense is much better, but in what I think will be a pretty good defensive game, I like the Eagles plus the two and a half. Okay. What else? I'm actually going to take the Raiders plus the 13. I, I think that, you know, I think that there's some realness to the Raiders turnaround. I think obviously they were a very, they had talent um, on both sides of the, of the football. Um, and plus the 13 over Miami. It's just like 13 points in an NFL game. It's just a lot. It's a lot. It is. Okay, got another? Yeah. And then I'm going to take in one, one college game, UCLA plus the 6.5 over USC. Uh, it was 7 earlier. It's down to 6.5. Um, SC, just, the defense is just, is just terrible. And I think UCLA has the defense that can give Caleb Williams some problems. If Caleb Williams turns his ball over, um, so getting 6.5, I'm going to take the Bruins. You've been very good on college games lately. You've been, yeah. Well, I mean, one of it is just to pick against Ohio State when they play anyone good. I mean, sorry, to pick against Penn State when they play anyone good. <laughs> yeah, because they have no offense. I mean, that's, you know, that's, I mean, if I'm looking around, honestly, this week, I'm, I mean, Carville took Cleveland over Pittsburgh. I wouldn't do that. But that's an under situation, right? I mean, Cleveland's not going to score at all. And Pittsburgh doesn't score. They score 17 points a game. What's what's the typical under is like in the high 30s to 40s? Yeah, I mean, but the number there, obviously you aren't the only one with that insight, right, Tony. Right. The, the numbers there is 33, so that's an incredibly low. That is low. Total wow. for an NFL game. That's and, low and, in I the mean, pros. I think the Steelers actually scored points last week against Green Bay. That that first half, the both teams moved the ball up and down the field pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, 33 reflects a really low total in the NFL and it reflects the fact that, you know, people – the problem with the gambling is there's this really efficient market out there where the opinion that you have and the insight needs to be somewhat different than everyone else's for it to be valuable. And if you have the same insight everyone else does, then it's not valuable. Yeah, makes sense. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. This week's picks with James Carville and Jeff Ma have been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. There's more than one instrument there. There's only one person playing all those instruments, Ian Warrington. This is not even his day job. He's a doctor. It's an emergency room doctor. 
<laughs> sort of amazing. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, my friend, and you will be thrilled. That's going to do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, got a good reason for taking the easy way out. Got a good reason for taking the easy way out now. She was a day tripper, a one-way ticket. Yeah, it took me so long to find out, and I found out. Was the other side of that, we can work it out? Yes. It's like the greatest <laughs> greatest 45 ever in history. We can work it out in Day Tripper by a band people like to call the Beatles. <laughs> thanks to our guests today, Chuck Culpepper, Jeff Ma. Thanks to our sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Got some older emails here, and then we'll get to some newer emails from Drew in Brandon, Manitoba in Canada. Can you ask Reginald who he likes in this year's Grey Cup? The Blue Bombers, the team for which Bud Grant won four Grey Cups, opened as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over the Montreal Alouettes. Also, this, is, this year is the 110th edition of the Grey Cup, and these two teams have never met to contest for Earl Grey's trophy. Wow! 110 years they've never been in the finals together? That's, that's wild. Now, Kyler Dennis in Atlanta. Tony, if you're looking for a new way to cook your steaks, I'd suggest the Spurrier method. Instead of cooking six and six on each side... Seven and seven. You go five and 11. Not very good, but there are some steaks that are worse. Not the worst steak in the league. From Mike Grossman in Evanston, Illinois. You think you can book Barbara Streisand on the podcast to talk about coffee ice cream? And if she has advice on whether to follow T-Boy's picks in the upcoming South Kakalaki games, maybe she can become a regular during football season if Reginald decides to hang it up. Carol went out to get some coffee ice cream yesterday, some... uh, the ice cream that we like, McConnell's. Oh, McConnell's is very good. And at the Safeway that she went to, she came back with salted caramel. And I said, what about the coffee? She said, there was no coffee. And it looks like they're discontinuing the brand in this Safeway. Looks like they're discontinuing the brand. Well, fortunately, at Wegmans, what I believe that? it's still there. All right. From Steve the Sycophant. Dear, uh, since Dear Toby, my email kicked off, does the Binghamton have a functioning airport discussion. I want to advise you what my research has revealed. For those littles living in the D.C. area, you can easily reach Binghamton in less than five hours by departing from Reagan Airport with one stop at LaGuardia. Now, if you insist on flying from Dulles, that means a trip of seven hours plus with two stops. The first in Detroit. Yeah, I think they go through Detroit. The next in LaGuardia. There are apparently no three-stop routes. I'm proud to have made the sacrifice since I now will receive pop-ups on my computer for the next year with ads about flights to and accommodations in Binghamton, the carousel capital of the world. It's worth it to keep you informed. If you live in D.C., you can drive there Six in four and a half, hours. right? Four. <laughs> four? To Binghamton. Four and a half to Binghamton. Oh, that's not bad at all. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, from Rob Schofield in Raleigh, North Carolina. For the last several years, as I grew almost chemically dependent on the PTI show and TK Show podcast to keep me semi-sane through COVID and countless other real-world miseries and inanities, I often pondered if the moment would arrive at which I, too, might have the opportunity to contribute a connective tissue email worthy of an on-air read. Would it involve relating the fact that I, the host of a North Carolina political podcast, heard by tens and tens of listeners, have heard so many Kornheiser interviews that I found myself wrapping up chats with a member of Congress by saying, we get you out of here on this? Would it be that I once pitched the idea of a state-level political talk show uh, to a funder who shamelessly ripped off, ripped off of the PTI show format? Would it be the pithy note I sent to a company, a jingle I'd submit on behalf of my son-in-law, a brilliant jazz pianist turned film composer, Then last week, I knew the moment had arrived when I and the woman to whom I related to by marriage were invited to join a group hosting a visit to Chapel Hill by the legendary sports writer Curry Kirkpatrick. 
The clincher, of course, was that just hours before a Friday dinner, I'd listened to the November 9th PTI podcast opener, which you alluded to the sexiest sports writer in America for 1978 title you shared with Curry. Boy, it was going to be fun to drop this one-liner with Kirkpatrick and the other guests and share the reaction with pod listeners. Alas, when I started excitedly to share the one-liner with Kirkpatrick, he interrupted to say he'd already heard it from you directly via text. <laughs> so a big moment was slightly deflated. That said, the evening was still a blast. Curry was a remarkably charming dinner companion, a fabulous and funny storyteller. He is, indeed. And unlike so many other celebs dealing with fanboy strangers, a curious and interested listener. I sincerely hope you make good on your occasional threat to have him on the pod soon. Thanks for the years of laughs. That's really very nice. I look forward to the uh, text message from Justin Jarrett. Go check out Loco Sports. Oh, is that, is that Curry's right? a podcast. Oh, is that what he does? Yeah, the Low Country. Oh, it's called Loco, Loco. Sports. Oh, okay. I like that. Is that how they refer to it as Loco? Loco. Uh, the natives do? Okay. Tom Daly, New Haven, Connecticut. Did you know that this year's Rockefeller Center Christmas tree is from Vestal, New York? Check it out. You're welcome. I did know that. Isn't that I great? was told that from, from the people at Binghamton University. They showed me a picture of it. It was on, not Gun Hill Road, Murray Hill Road. It was on Murray Hill Road, which borders the campus, borders the Binghamton campus. And they showed road. a picture of it. And I asked, would, when, it, when the tree is lit, would the people who own the tree from their home, would they be invited down to oh, the to White the- House on Air Force One? And I was told, no, not on Air Force One. <laughs> They can go to the ceremony. They're not going on Air Force Well, luckily, one. there's a regional airport. If they have nine hours, they That's can get here with right. just two stops. Two yeah, stops at Detroit two. and LaGuardia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Bob Guberman in Falls Church, Virginia. Here, hoping the topic of worst songs of the 70s is still active. However, you need to expand your time frame by two decades if you want to settle on the worst song ever. It is Short Shorts. I know this song very well. Who wears short shorts? I wear short shorts. <laughs> by the Royal Teens, and it dates back to 1958. Neglecting an introductory line that isn't really part of the lyrics... The lyrics are as follows. Man, dig that crazy chick, followed by three repeats of the following lyrics. Who wears short shorts? We wear short shorts. They're such short shorts. We like short shorts. Who wears short shorts? We wear short shorts. It's not as bad as that. It's terrible, but it's not as bad as that. It's not, it's not as bad as in the year 2525, which is just awful. That's it, count them. A total of eight different words. Who wears short shorts? We, there, such like. Make up the entire song. Say us the ball. The song reached number two on the U.S. rhythm and blues charts and number three on the U.S. pop charts in 1958. Not our finest hour of music originality. Thanks for all... The years of car riding enjoyment, listening to the podcast, and to you and Mike for 22 years of PTR, which is very nice. From Bill Matfeld, Fort Mill, South Carolina, um, the Johann Sebastian Bach jingle. Oh, yeah, but Glenn Winters. Yeah. Yeah. Bravo, bravo, bravo. That was the best one, hands down. Made me stop what I was doing. And from Tony Lutz in Redmond, Oregon. We're just going to do the old ones. We'll do the new ones on Monday. I'm just going to give you a hint or a tip. There's a lot of toothpaste. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, I mean, because we're going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week because yes. it's Thanksgiving week. We're going to do three in a row. So we're not going to get a lot, of, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of email. From Tony Lutz in Redmond, Oregon. Hold on there, Sparky. Mandy? Really? From 1977 to September 6, 1986, American Bandstand opened and closed with Barry Manilow's rendition of Bandstand Boogie. That's a pretty good run. Of all the fabulous mailbag renditions a little have submitted, Monday's Glenn Winters was a jaw-dropper. It really was. It that was, was the fugue. Yeah, the fugue. It was, <laughs> that was tremendous. It, really was. it was just tremendous. It's amazing. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white. Let's try this. Your line, just say it as I say it. Say your line exactly as I'm mm-hmm. about to. Okay. Would that it were so simple. 
Yeah. 